Well, hello there, prom party. Hello. The episode that you are about to hear on She's All That was actually a live, and by live, I mean it was a pre-recorded video because this is a pandemic and technology cannot be trusted. <laughs> this uh, is a safe way of doing things. <laughs> better but, for everyone. But it was a uh, it was a video version of uh, of this ends at prom that was part of the 2021 real love film festival real love is a new film festival event dedicated to honoring the future of love on screen and its profound cinematic legacy the festival featured over a dozen feature film screenings along with a variety of short film programs and special events like this ends at prom (laughs) to explore the full emotional spectrum of love in all of its various forms romance family and friendship so if the audio quality is not what you're normally used to listening to from us, it's because we use different recording methods in order to capture it for the festival. So we apologize, but it still sounds pretty dang good, I think. It sounds pretty good, but we also couldn't have microphones directly in front of our faces like we normally do to record the show. Because it was a video thing. Because it was a video. It would have been <laughs> such a waste for us to put on lipstick and makeup. Like, we, you and I have not worn makeup together <laughs> probably more than four times in the last year so it would have been a real waste to just cover up half of our face with <laughs> with microphones for that like i have to wear a mask all the time i wore lipstick my femme identity felt so validated yeah so we really hope that you enjoy this episode it was a total blast to do we were so thankful to be part mm-hmm. of the real love film festival and uh we hope that you enjoy the show i think this is going to be a good discussion roll the music girl i wanna be your goddamn idol and i don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title but i realize that i probably won't be so lucky prom party and welcome you are joining us today for the real love film festival if this is your first time listening to us i'm one of your co-hosts my name is bj colangelo and sitting over here on this couch underneath this beautiful half-seen black panther velvet painting that she got out of the trash is my wife i know i wish i I wish people could see it better because he is so proud but I'm, I'm your wife. I'm Harmony Colangelo. And today we are talking about one of my favorite movies of all time. And what I like to think of is a teen girl romance classic. And I assume many of you out there also think the same. Um, but before we dive into that, I just have to say it is so nice to be able to do this on camera and like get dolled up and get to wear lipstick. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know the last time I've gotten to wear lipstick because I'm just behind a mask all the time. Yeah. I mean, I go out more often than you do because I still have been working this whole time at the bar. So. Yeah, so you get to actually look like a human. I mean, I wouldn't say I look like a human, but... I've just been looking like a gargoyle for the last year. I try to look nice. You look very nice. You look so cute Thanks. Today. I miss the lips. It's like part of my identity. Yeah. This like, is... oh, my femme. 
This has been a good thing. I mean, <laughs> I've been doing some really, like, prominent eye makeup with the mask because, like, that's all you can see, so you got to do something. But Poppin'. Yeah, but then, like, I'll take my mask off and, like, catch my reflection in the car and it just looks like, <laughs> So It's like this seamless thing, like, when you clear your makeup and it's like, wow, one of my eyes looks marvelous, the <laughs> other one not so much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, but today's movie is She's All That, an all-time favorite. So before we really get into the meat and potatoes of She's All That, I would like to ask you, uh, what did you know about She's All That before we watched it for this episode? Well, I am a majestic numpty who doesn't know anything about <laughs> anything. But I mean, I guess I knew more about it than I thought I did because okay. of Not Another Teen Movie. Oh, okay, yes. So, had you seen Not Another Teen Movie at this point? Yes, but I haven't seen it in probably at least okay. 15 years. But, no, I remember it was a it was, it was a big deal. Okay. It was one of those things where it's like, oh, it's a PG-13 raunchy parody comedy, like, scary movie. And this movie was Not Another Teen Movie coincidentally written by at least two of the <laughs> terrible writers from that franchise. Ha! But... I did not realize that She's All That was the, you know, scream to scary movie that not another teen movie is to She's All That. Yeah, and it's it's solely because She's All That is, it really is just sort of that quintessential, like, late 90s, early 2000s teen movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of tropes from this movie lived on in subsequent uh, films, and there's just a lot of a lot of really iconic moments in it. Obviously, we'll, we'll talk about... The stairway reveal and Sixpence None the Richer and the bet and the makeover and everything. Um, but one of the things that we do for every show is we read the synopsis from our friends at Fandango. And by friends, we just happen to use Fandango. Um, and it's always really fun because sometimes whoever is assigned to writing the copy is like really dedicated and will write something really elaborate. And then sometimes they clearly do not give a fuck. And uh, today I think is, is pretty okay. So uh, according to our friend Dangos... What's a decent amount of text? High school hotshot Zach Seiler, Freddie Prince Jr., is the envy of his peers. But his popularity declines sharply when his cheerleader girlfriend Taylor, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, leaves him for sleazy reality television star Brock Hudson, Matthew Lillard. Desperate to revive his fading reputation, Siler agrees to a seemingly impossible challenge. He has six weeks to gain the trust of nerdy outcast Lainey Boggs, Rachel Lee Cook, and help her become the school's next prom queen. All right. So I think that's a pretty mm-hmm. solid synopsis. They they do a pretty good job explaining what this movie's about. I think that's the gist of it. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty spoiler-free intro of it. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, it's the first 20 minutes of the movie, basically. Yeah. There you go. I agree. So let's first talk about our, our two main characters. And I want to focus on Zack Seiler first. Mm-hmm. So Freddie Prinze Jr. What do you make of Zack? I have complicated feelings. Okay. Because from Jump Street, this movie felt like 10 Things I Hate About You. And anyone who is familiar with our podcast knows I hate that movie. Yeah, you have like a lot of burning rage for 10 Things I Hate About You. And at first I used to think it was like an unfair amount of hatred. But now that I've listen to you talk about it, and I've reanalyzed the film a whole bunch. Yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You is not as great as we remember it being. So... No. 
So the first 20 minutes of this, it's like, okay, there's a bet. It's like 10 things I hate about you. And also it was like just absolutely obliterated by the parody, which is really much more of like a mockery of not another teen movie. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I, I thought... Freddie Prince Jr. was going to be a lot more of a of a douche than right. he ends up being, but he's really charming, actually. Right. Okay. So in a lot of teen movies, when we have this sort of jockey character or this like you know hot man on campus sort of guy, they usually suck. Like they're usually a huge asshole, and they're not nice people, and they're also kind of stupid. And that's not Zach Seiler. Like, yeah, he's the star of the soccer team, which is always... I love when it's not, like, basketball or football. Yeah. When it's, like, a different... Like, a... It, calling it a third-tier sport is rude, but, like... In America, in it a, is. In America, it is. Yeah. So he's the captain of the soccer team. But he's also, like, class president. And as is revealed because of his issues with his dad, he's been accepted to, like, every Ivy League school. Yeah, he's, like, top four smartest kids in the school or Yeah, he has like the fourth highest GPA in school. Like, something ridiculous he like is that. Perfection. Yeah. What do you say, Zach? A bet? Yeah. Unless, of course, you're too heartbroken. Just name the terms. All right, simple. I'll pick the girl. Then you got six weeks to turn her into the prom queen. Okay, okay, we get it, okay? Everybody has a big Jimmy now. Can we just... You got it. All right. Let's go shop. <laughs> so he's already sort of bucking the trend of this archetype, you know? Like, he's the cool, hot, popular guy, but he's got things going for him other than being hot and popular. Yeah. And... I, I'm gonna make the Heath Ledger comparison it, it's because impossible I, I can't not, to, not yeah. because these movies are so similar for mm -hmm. me. Everyone says, "Oh, Heath Ledger's so handsome and he's so charming," and I'm like, "He is in that one scene where he sings the song, mm -hmm. but for the most part, he's not." Yeah. And Freddie Prince Jr. is very, very, very charming. Like, there's obviously he has these douchey like, "Oh, I could get the girl without really trying." Oh, you have you have beautiful eyes and. She totally calls him out for it. Just like, oh yeah, really digging deep into your bag of tricks for that one. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I think that he progresses really nicely and becomes much more endearing, especially because I don't think Freddie Prince Jr. as like his looks. He's a particularly like heart throbby kind of guy. He looks just kind of like preppy normal to me. Yeah, he's Freddie, very all American man, but not very. Yeah, like, that's that's a good way to put it. Like Freddie Prince Jr. to me looks like when they're trying to advertise like why you should go to a college, and oh like God, he's right? the guy holding a textbook with his Letterman's jacket on, and it's just like, hey, come join us. Like I think that's what he looks like, and especially in this movie because he's got like the way too long sideburns that were really cool in the <laughs> late nineties. I don't know why that was a thing. If you wore them, shame on you. My brother had those probably well until like 2006. Ooh, that's like way too long for those to be yeah. <laughs> acceptable socially. I uh, back back when back when I was able to have facial hair, I did not have the sideburns, <laughs> but I definitely had like a wicked like a, a nice thick kind of chin strap. I could probably do that if I stopped shaving because my endocrine system is trash. So yeah. I can uh, I can do that. Gross. Yeah, so anyway, he doesn't have that. No. Which is tight. Yeah. But yeah, describing him as like a college ad, him and his friends all sort of encapsulate. We will, we will get that, to like, Paul Walker. Oh, God. Being a grade A scumbag. 
But before we go to Paul Walker, let's talk about the object of his affection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's talk about Lainey Boggs, a.k.a. Rachel Lee Cook, a.k.a. the inspiration for every haircut I had as a teenager. <laughs> you really wanted to be Rachel Lee I Cook. wanted to be Rachel Lee Cook so bad. But yeah, I cut my hair short and did the flippy Josie and the Pussycats thing. And then I tried to like curl it under and out at the same time like she does for She's All That. I was obsessed with her. I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world. And I kind of still feel like that. She looks fantastic even today. She's wonderful. I love her very much. Rachel Lee Cook, if you're listening... I love you and thank you for all that you do. <laughs> I, uh, I I love how passionate you are about her because I uh, don't really know a lot of Rachel Lee Cook anythings. That's okay. Yeah. That's all right. Like, she did Josie and the Pussycats and this, but like, what else is she known for? I mean, she's also the This Is Your Brain on Drugs commercial. Where I know she that. Tears apart a kitchen. Yes. Which then I love that was it was parodied on Robot Chicken and they just had her back to do it. Yes. <laughs> which I just. I love that. I think that that's great. So, yeah, I don't really have a huge investment in Rachel Lee Cook, but she's very adorable. Yeah, I think she she's... Lainey Boggs is so cute in this movie, and Lainey is a character that I've loved forever, mm-hmm. to the point where when I directed a short film called Labrys, my main character's name was Lainey, um, which is very close to Lainey, because that's who I am as a person. <laughs> and I put the things that I love on Front Street, Like, Mm -hmm. there's no guessing the things that I like because I'm so loud about them. But in the context of this movie, how do you feel about Lainey and her portrayal, her characterization, anything? I thought I was going to dislike her much more than I did. Is it because you were thinking about 10 Things I Hate About You and how much you don't like Kat? Oh, God, I hate Kat Stratford so much. (laughs) And she's definitely got a very similar vibe. Plus, I tend to um, just absolutely lampoon a lot of things in uh, a lot of tropes that exist because of the not another teen movie thing where there's nothing unattractive about Rachel Lee Cook. Like she has a little bit of a unibrow and wears like paint covered clothes, but it's like ponytail overalls. Oh, so hideous. And I'm like, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with her. She looks great. Yeah. That scene where they reveal her when they're placing the bets and she's just like wearing like some paint covered stuff and like drops her stuff. And it's like, Oh, Oh, lady, no, that's impossible. And I'm like, she just looks kind of clumsy and awkward. It's not like she's impossible. That's really ridiculous. Well, it's be- so the thing that I like about this is one, I uh, I have mixed feelings about his response, which is fat I can deal with, and like, yeah, sir, um, but fat I can deal with. Maybe even a little fungus is what he says. But then yeah. he says scary and unapproachable. I think is what it is. You know, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. And I have mixed feelings about it because one, like, no need to fat shame or I guess like fungus shame people. Like, that's a a medical condition. People probably can't control that. Uh But I like that they acknowledge that there is a difference from somebody being considered quote unquote unattractive versus being scary and unattainable. Like, you can be the hottest girl in the world, but if you are terrifying, then yeah, people are not going to approach you. Whereas if you're fat and nice and kind, like you can work with that. I know I'm fat and nice and kind. Thank you. Um, I, I hate that they go with that adjective. Like you could have come up with anything else to describe a person, but it's 1999. Whatever. It's the 90s. Heroin I make my is peace. The style. Yeah, I so. make I make my peace with uh, the fat phobia that is just 
very prominent in all forms of media, especially teen movies, because we want teenagers to hate themselves that they buy more products. Yeah. So that's, that's a thing. Great, but no, ladies, ladies, cool. Uh, there's a couple moments where it's like that Marge Simpson thing where it's like, kids, could you lighten up a little bit? <laughs> and uh, there, there's the moments where like they're at the beach and he's like, oh, the beach, this is great, and she's just like going on about the environment. And she's like, well, I thought of the beach and then the environment, and now I'm just g- popping off. And I'm like. Okay, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. You can do both at the same time. Maybe focus on that at, when you're not on a leisure day trip. <laughs> so she's a lot. She is uh, obsessed with art mm-hmm. to a um, disgusting, dare I say, uh, Maureen mooing extent. Okay. Because she uh, she tests Zach's... Um, uh, he... he he goes ahead and is like, hey, I'm interested in you because I like art, not I'm on a bet or I right. think you're hot or whatever. He's trying to get in by being like, hey, can you teach me about art because I really like your art, which, you know, totally is, is a lie. But right. she tests him by taking him to the, what is it, performance theater? It's like a performance art yeah. little black box theater. And um, boy, is that performance, which features... um. One of my absolute favorite people, Alexis Arquette. Yeah, Alexis Arquette playing Mitch the Underwear Guy. <laughs> oh my god, it is so cringy and unpleasant, and I hate everything about that performance so much. I know that there has to be a blog somewhere, or like maybe it was on Tumblr before it got shut down when they got rid of porn, mm-hmm. but I feel like there has to have been like some art student that was like, I'm going to break down why the performance art and she's all that is actually brilliant. And I should have probably found that article, but to be fair, I didn't look that hard. (laughs) No, but it's awful and I hate it. And then she pulls the like most assholey move of just getting him invited on stage to do some like completely off the cuff performance theater right like i understand that she's trying to call his bluff because she's already very skeptical like why is the like big man on campus talking to me Mm -hmm. so i understand the motivation behind it but it is such a shitty thing to do to be like not only am i going to have like the person that everyone is here to see announce like hey this person's in the audience come on up Uh but then like they put the light on him and to be fair to be fair to be fair to be fair she does say, hey, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. She gives him that out, and he's like, mm, nah, I'm going to do mm. it. But also, like, there's a lot of societal pressure. So, like, does he really have the it's, out? It's, it's peer pressure, yes. Yeah, so he goes... <laughs> all things considered, his performance is much better than what we saw previously. That's subjective. I don't think he's good, but I think there is a thorough line to it. And it's definitely got this... Um, Andrew, you've got to win! Win! About his monologue about don't let the hacky sack drop. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there going, I wonder if Zach's ever uh, taped anybody's butt cheeks together. (laughs) Like, he seems like a nice guy. I don't think he would. He doesn't strike me as the bully type of popular sports guy. Yeah. But his monologue about that feels like that Breakfast Club one. Yeah, that's very true. But Sooner or later, you got to let it drop. (laughs) (laughs) Like... It's such a ridiculous thing, and I just want to know, like, who in the writing team was like, you know what it's going to be? Hacky Shack. Like, the way he says it, too, is so just, like, he's, like, swallowing his words. Uh I don't know. It's 
it's funny to me. There's a lot of performance that he's not used to. He's nervous, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, he even he even goes on to say, like, oh, I've done speeches, I've done all these things, and so he acknowledges that he's not afraid to be in front of crowds. Mm-hmm. He's just afraid because, like, he's unsure of this. So Lainey puts him completely out of his element, and I think what I like about that, though, is because he, every step of the way, is putting her in situations that she's not familiar with. Yes. You're going to go to a party, you're going to go to a beach, and you're going to get ambushed by my friends. He's dragging her into his world. Yes. And this is one of those moments where she is putting him into her world. And she does that again a little bit later when he wants to take her to this party. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I can't. I you know, have to clean my whole house. Because something we learn about Lainey is her mother passed away from cancer. And since then, she has sort of taken on that maternal role in her family Mm -hmm. for her dad and her little brother, Simon, who is... Kieran Culkin is so fucking cute. Like, he's so cute. Do you play Sega? I just... I love him. He's a great little brother character. Zach! Mi compadre con queso! I, uh... I believe you said you were cleaning. I am. I was. I will be. Tell you what. How about I save you some time? I'll take the kitchen. All right, then I got the bathroom. Listen, at the soccer team. It's JV. I need the vacuum cleaner. Population exceeding five million. Zachos is big time. So she brings Zach into her world because she's like, no, I have to take care of my house because. Zach is clearly, like, very wealthy, all of his friends are wealthy, and Lainey comes from a more just average life. Yes. Yes. But I don't think she has to clean her house. I'm pretty sure she oh, yeah, just an didn't yeah, want to be around him. <laughs> she doesn't want to go because she's uncomfortable. Like, her house looked fine. Yes. It was... It was more than fine. They did not need the JV soccer team to, like, whisk the curtains, but... That's what we did. Yes. Um, so she kind of brings him in that way. And to be fair, she, to be fair, uh, she didn't say like, hey, come over and clean my house. Like she was definitely like, hey, don't. Mm-hmm. And he showed up on his own accord. So in that regard, I guess he's inviting himself. He's inserting himself into that part of her world. But she could have also closed the door on him and said like, nah, son, you're not coming in here. She actually lets him in. So he know. shows up at her house a lot. Yeah. He's really forcing his way in because, like, he's 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 on a time crunch, I guess. So he's got to get there and just really finagle his way into her, his, finagle his way into her good graces. Yeah. And I think he does a pretty polite, delightful job of that. Well, we're also in a world where we don't really have, like, cell phone texting as prominently as we do now. No one's using AIM. Yeah, no. So <laughs> if he, like, wants to contact her that's the only way he can do it is by showing up Mm -hmm. um so i go back and forth like half of me is like that's creepy like don't just show up at people's houses but the other part of me is like but that's just what we did yeah like when i was a kid in the in the late 90s if i wanted to hang out with my friends it was definitely showing up at their doorstep and being like can they come out and play And this is just, like, the teen version of, hey, can you come out and play? See, I feel like everyone did that, and I didn't, but all my friends would always live across town mm-hmm. in the, the nice development. Okay. So that was that was way over there, and then I lived in my, you know, modest one-floor house <laughs> that live, was near the high school. Yeah, I also lived in a modest one-floor house, and then I'd go to my friend's house, and it's like, whoa, you have stairs! My best friend had a pool in his house. 
That's bananas. It was one of those infinity pools. Yeah. He had a pool in his house and, like, a pool table and every video game system, and it was ridiculous. I mean, cool that you get to live that way, I guess, people. That's that's what the kind of life Couldn't Zach would be live. me. Zach probably lives that life. He's got, like, yeah, marble foyer in his house. <laughs> yeah. Zach's got some... He's got a lot of intense stuff going on in that house. Yeah. So we've got Zach and Lainey, I guess, out of the way. We know who they are. Mm-hmm. Everyone else in this movie is awful. <laughs> Just the worst teenage characters, except, okay, maybe ladies. There's a couple that aren't. Yeah, there's a couple that are fine. But for the most part, the overwhelming majority are, like, garbage people. The guy, the guy from Psych is fine. Yes, he's good. I don't know his name, but Paul Walker's terrible. Paul Walker is so obnoxious that, like, I want to punch him in the face. And I think the reason I want to punch him in the face is because he's playing... The same character that he plays in Pleasantville, but in Pleasantville, oh. it's like, oh, you're charming and you don't know things. And he's bringing that same energy, but he knows things. So now he's a scumbag and I don't like him. Yeah, and the thing I like, or I guess the thing I appreciate the most about his performance is that he's really good at doing both things. There's that moment where he's taking Lainey out to prom and... I, in no other context, if you watch this one scene, you think, oh, he's the romantic lead, where he's saying, I didn't invite anybody else for what that's worth, even if you don't trust me. And he's, like, full uh, committed, and the performance yes, is such a so boy. bulletproof, where it's like, oh, my God. You were just, like, the a-hole getting into a fight, dropping this single F-bomb in this movie, and now you were over here just being absolute Casanova. It yeah. is unbelievable it's just it's the it's just the fucking caucasity of his performance and i do like because like delay hill so guy from psych he is also the one who calls paul walker on his shit Mm -hmm. all the time throughout the entire movie which again is then parodied in not another teen movie because if there's one thing that we know about the teen girl genre in general these are white as fuck movies oh yeah they are so white and what's, what's, what's that character's role in Not Another Teen Movie? It's like, I'm the black friend. I'm just supposed to sit out around here and say jive stuff. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And it, I, I think that's a little unfair to put on Delay Hill's character in this movie. No, he's because actually pretty... He's pretty okay. good. And he's he's a pretty well-developed character for this, like, side character. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's, he's not the focus... But for a side character, like, I know who he is. I kind of get his sense of humor, and that's a good thing. Um, he's dating, like, the tamest version of Lil' Kim I've ever what? seen. Yes, why <laughs> is that? Because I've always known her to be filthy. Was she, like, not filthy at the start of her career? I, I don't know what... Like, I don't know what direction they gave her, but I am secretly so in love with Lil' Kim with, like, her gigantic hair, and she's so nice, and she's like, hey, let's just play volleyball, and let's hang out, and da-da-da, I'm like, I don't, sure. I don't know what to make of that, it's so strange, but, no, he is definitely the most fleshed out of the side characters, aside from, like, what would be the two antagonists. Yeah, um, especially because I don't think we get to know, like, really Taylor's friends who will get Taylor in a second mm-hmm. but we don't really get to know her friends one of which is Gabrielle Union because this is Gabrielle Union did She's All That and 10 Things I Hate About You playing essentially the exact same character uh-huh. where it's just like I'm the side friend of you know this popular girl mm-hmm. and then she got to do Bring It On where it was like oh shit no she's amazing right <laughs> and thankfully we finally gave her her due um, but yeah Taylor's friends it's Gabrielle Union and then this other actress whose name I always forget and 
that makes me a piece of shit, but we don't really know who they are. Like, they mm -hmm. don't give us anything to work with. And I think it's also because Taylor is just a force to be reckoned with. She is, like, queen bitch of teen girl movies. She, she is, is so evil. mean. She is outrageously mean. And, like, there's something I respect about her just not even apologizing about being an awful person. Right. <laughs> because she's so bad, but she's like, I'm hot, and I'm entitled, and fuck you. Yeah, she's fully aware of who she is. Like, she even has that thing where she's like, my mother was a prom queen in this time, and my aunt was a prom queen in this time, and my cousins were a prom queen, and my sister would have been a prom queen. I'm a legacy. And it's like, so she's fully aware that, like, Shit gets handed down to me because I'm rich and pretty and white and yeah. she's aware and she just does not give a fuck. <laughs> um, and, you know, you can't talk about Taylor Vaughn without talking about her short-lived stint with Brock Hudson. <laughs> I love him so much. Matthew Lillard is a goddamn treasure in everything. And what's interesting is, so Matthew Lillard's character, Brock Hudson, was somebody who was on a season of The Real World, who was then kicked out of the house because he sucked so bad. Uh -huh. And now he just kind of coasts on being, I was on The Real World. Uh -huh. And that happens now. Oh, yeah. Like, the amount of times that you'll see club flyers, and it'll be like, so-and-so from Bad Girls Club season 77 is here. And you're like... Who the fuck cares? But, that's the but people do care. As, as a person who doesn't understand the real world or Big Brother or any of these things, I remember they were like frequently talking heads on VH1 shows. It's like, oh, there's Puck. And I'm like, all I know is you're gross. Yeah. Like, all you did was do gross things and you were a jerk. And Matthew Lillard is like this wildly narcissistic version of that where he gets a tattoo of his own face. And it saying, says me. <laughs> and oh my God, he is incredible in this film. Like, she just wants to have sex with him, and he's busy watching himself on TV and, like, mouthing his own lines. And mimicking, he... like, him throwing things off the kitchen. Oh, and then he has his, like, funky dance number, which I pray they did not oh. choreograph, and they were just like, go out there and hit it. That's what I hope, too. I really hope that they were like, you know what, Matthew? We trust you. Just go go off. God, I love it so much. Like, it's out of control. He's out of control, but the commitment that he has, it's like, I can't, I know everything in my being is telling me that I need to hate this character. I can't hate this character. But that's the thing that I this can't. movie does really, really well that I don't think other movies like 10 Things I Hate About You do, where these characters have the right hate. They have, like, proper heat as opposed to go-home heat, which yeah. is... I like hating you. I like you as a part of the puzzle that is this film. Yeah, I Not, don't... I don't want to see your stupid face, and I want you to get off my screen because I want you to get out of here. It's not that kind of heat. Yeah, it's not um, going with our 10 Things I Hate About You comparisons. This is not Joey Eat Me Donner. Oh, the where... guy who has a sex cult? Yes. <laughs> where it's not Andrew Keegan. Where every time I look at him, I'm just like, get the fuck off my screen. Because like, I don't feel like that. I want to see what Matthew Lillard's going to do. Right? I want to see him go ham. I just, I want to be entertained. And I am not entertained by any of the bad people in 10 Things I Hate About You. Including some of the people who are supposed to be good guys. Mm -hmm. Like, um... Like Joseph Gordon-Levin, who's not actually yes, a good guy. <laughs> and Bernard the Elf. His name is David Crumholtz. He has a name. I will never remember that. He's always <laughs> Bernard the Elf. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's so, fair. like, they're supposed to be good guys, and I'm like, no, you're, I don't like you. You're unlikable, and you do all these things wrong because you're a bad person, and I want you to get off my screen. Yeah, which This movie doesn't do that. No, the characters, because, like, Taylor's evil. Like, we know she's evil. Yes. Thank you. Excuse me? Thank you. For a minute there, I forgot why I avoided places like this and people like you. Avoided us? Honey, look around you. To everyone here who matters, you're vapor. You're spam. A waste of perfectly good yearbook space. Nothing's gonna change that. That makes it okay for me. Like, cause Taylor's not trying to put on any airs of like, oh, I'm actually secretly a good person and like, you should care about me. She's not doing that. She's like, no, I'm a bad bitch. And either you're down with it or you get out of here and I'll destroy you. And I respect that. I respect that she is very aware of who she is. I don't mm -hmm. have to like her. I don't have to think that I want to hang out with her or I'm not voting for her for prom queen, but like respect you're being, <laughs> you're owning your bitchitude. Well, in the context of a romance, like teen comedy, mm -hmm. she feels so outlandish. It's almost more like a drop dead gorgeous character. Yeah. Yeah. She almost feels like a parody of a character. Yes. Yeah. And that to me is very enjoyable. And that just makes the whole better, especially because she doesn't really get proper comeuppance. Yeah, no, because she gets to be prom queen. Yeah, like, nothing <laughs> bad ever happens to her. So if, say, she was, like, not entertained... Let's let... Devil's advocate. Let's, okay. Let's okay. fantasy book this film. Okay. She is just entitled, shitty, not fun evil. Okay. And the movie plays out the exact same way otherwise. What is enjoyable about that? Yeah, nothing. It's like if uh, Romeo and Michelle had all of the characters, nothing bad happens to the popular girls at the end of that movie. Mm -hmm. It's just so... This needs to be satisfying. Like, I need to at least enjoy your journey since nothing's ever going to happen to you. I think you could make the argument, though, that Taylor does get her comeuppets in that at the end of the film, she's alone. And, like... She doesn't care. I mean, she sits at the end of graduation just smoking a cigarette, just being like, whatever, I'm a bad girl. Yeah. So... She gets her comeuppance in the sense that she's alone and she doesn't get what she wants that way. And to me, I've always read that as you're graduating alone. Yeah, you have this like prom queen title, but like what good is that? Because now high school's over. Like you peaked. Taylor Vaughn's done. Oh, yeah. That's one of those people yeah. who is just going to it's going to be like the, the bald guy from Just Friends who's just like, buddy, can I borrow $5 for a beer? <laughs> and he's still wearing his letterman's jacket. And he's like. Oh, remember that hot girl in school? She's still a piece, man. I'm so lonely. <laughs> it's that kind of a character who never leaves their hometown. And, like, I like that that's going to be her fate, mm -hmm. but we don't get to enjoy that. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a very good point. I'm, I'm here for the ride of her being absolute <laughs> evil. Uh, what Like, her campaign posters? She looks so mean. Right? Like... I love that there's, so there's a scene in the cafeteria that we both have discussed, like, feels very... It doesn't very, make any sense. No, it feels very out of place, and it's the famous uh, pube pizza. Hoover Be it. Yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah, where they make the Shermanator eat uh, <laughs> eat pizza with his own pubes on it, which and is... also that other kid also with the, uh, what is it, kill, kill all, all artists? artists. <laughs> okay, cool, you're tough. Yeah, which is weird because I forgot that's what his shirt says, and it's, like, kind of crinkled for a while, and at first I thought it was going to say, kill all fascists, and I was about to be like, hey, maybe just... we shouldn't bully him, and then I saw that it said, kill all artists, and I was like, no. 
Yeah. Okay. I was disappointed. I thought it was going to be, like, really revolutionary. And then Easy there, Rebel, it. without a cause. Can't help it. Can't help it. But yeah, that scene, as soon as it's happening, because I'm, I obviously haven't seen this movie. I know nothing about what's going on in it. And it's going on, and I get the function of it in the story. Mm-hmm. Because it's Zack standing up for Lainey's brother, and he's being bullied or whatever. And, like, cool. You're being, like, this tough guy who's just like, yeah, eat the, eat the pube pizza. Like, do it. Do it. Or you're going to have to mess with me. And it's like... First of all, you're a soccer player. You're not that tough. <laughs> Second of all... I don't know. They got some strong kicks. Yeah, okay, Have cool. Have you seen their calves? You wreck somebody. Do you think that he's going to go win a fight by punting? I would love to see That's it. That's my purse! <laughs> I would love to see it. I mean, I would too, but like, I don't think that's how he's going to actually win a fight. I think he's just doing it off of like the authority he has within okay. like the social standings of the school. Yes. Fine, whatever. But this scene is like such a gross-out teen boy movie style scene that it just feels weirdly out of place and we could have got the point across of what we were doing Mm -hmm. in a better less out of place way than what we ended up with in this film i understand i yeah you're absolutely right about that but if it wasn't for that scene we wouldn't get all of those images of taylor vaughn for prom queen where she's just standing cross-armed just staring down like vote for me or i'm gonna fucking end your it's, life it's, and it's, set your car on like fire andre the giant obey yeah oh, <laughs> yes that's exactly what's happening oh my god <laughs> yeah no we could have had a scene where that was happening or we'll just put them in like the backgrounds like just stick yeah. them to the lockers or something i do like that her campaign too of like vote for taylor here's the latte like mm-hmm. that's really funny to me and very rich and very white and it just makes me laugh yeah um so we've gotten our characters out of the way. We know who we're dealing with. We know who we're playing with. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about some of the theming that we see throughout this film. And one that we definitely need to talk about because it's something that comes up in a lot of teen cinema, especially mm-hmm. teen romance movies, is the makeover. Yes. Gentlemen, may I present the new, not improved, but different, Lainey Box. How do you feel about this makeover now that you've seen films like Clueless? Um, so you've seen other makeover films. What do you make of this? Like the change? First of all, this scene is iconic. Mm-hmm. We've discussed on past episodes of the elegance of the stairway reveal as opposed to like a hallway reveal. Yes. So I'm really glad because this is our first one with a stairway reveal. Yes. We've talked a lot about hallway walk scene so like jawbreaker jennifer's body easy a the one where they're going down the hallway and everyone stops to stare that is one where you are commanding that mm-hmm. vision they you are demanding every strutting yes everyone stops and look at me you can't strut downstairs <laughs> so a stairway reveal is very presentational you are being presented mm-hmm. to it's those like titanic yeah they're waiting for you mm-hmm. um so yes this one is Iconic. This is probably the stairway reveal, aside from Titanic. Yes. I, ta- I think this is more more of a clear stairway reveal, as opposed to that's just like, this is part of the ship. We just happen to be going down the stairs. Yeah. This is, this is like, no, this builds to it. You hear those looping chords and that melodica <laughs> from Sixpence None the Richer just playing and looping, and it's like, uh-oh, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And first of all, Haircut, wild improvement. Yes. But what I like the most about it is Zach's sister, Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin, yes. She says, what is it? The 
not improved, but different. Yes. Ladybugs. And I I think that that's a really great distinction to make because when Anna Paquin comes over and she's giving this makeover, she's not being like, ew, you're awful. Let's change everything. Like Uh it's the Princess Diaries or something. It's like, I'm going to pluck this unibrow and I'm going to cut your hair off because it's not doing anything for your face. It's Mm -hmm. not framing your face right. And she even says like, you have to trust me if I'm going to do this. So clearly there has been an exchange of trust because yeah. otherwise she, I don't think she would have cut her hair. I don't think that uh, that character is the type that's like, well, shut the fuck up. I'm going to cut your hair anyway. Well, I think that's trust for Zach's sister, but it's ultimately like she, he has built good rapport with her mm-hmm. that she trusts him to have someone come in and help her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the reveal. And I also love the reveal that she really doesn't look that different. Mm-mm. Like, this isn't some big dramatic thing. They didn't dye her hair. They didn't... This isn't, like, the swan or yeah. some ridiculous thing like that. Like, it really is just a matter of, hey, you don't fully know how to work this. Let me help you. That's all it is. It's like, let me enhance what you already have. And there's even a really nice conversation in there where Lainey discusses how she doesn't have a mom because mm-hmm. her mom has passed away. Yes. And she's like, I've never had anyone show me how to do this before. So I think that that's a really nice moment for her is finally getting to do this like very feminine activity that in her life, where else would she have that opportunity? Her best friend's a guy. The art people she hangs out with are men. Mm -hmm. Her dad and her brother are the only people at home. She doesn't really have a lot of women presence in her life. Mm -hmm. And if anything, she might, I think, have a little bit of aversion to it because it does remind her that like, my mom wasn't here to, like, teach me how to do this. And, like, there's some pain in that. Also, I think it's this thing about not wanting to be, like, the popular girls. Because mm-hmm. there's definitely the scene later on where she's like, thanks for reminding me that I do everything to avoid you people. And there's yeah. a reason for it. And it's like, okay, cool. So you're deliberately being the antithesis of your, you know, popular, pretty femme classmates. Right. So there's a lot of reasons for why she's just kind of casual. I guess. Yes. She's, Lainey Boggs as a character sort of revels in her own misery. And, yeah. <laughs> and like, that's just who she is. And I like that that is how they're treating it because this is a, essentially a retelling of the Pygmalion or My Fair Lady. And in the oh. Pygmalion, the woman that they're trying to like redo, I guess, is supposed to be this like awful, just terrible, atrocious woman. And then in My Fair Lady, first off, like, Audrey Hepburn is never in a million years going to be awful. Like, how <laughs> dare you? But, like, you know, she's she's very brash. She's very, quote unquote, like, low class. I mean, she's this beautiful girl, but she's just like, flowers for sale! Like, and it's supposed to just be, like, obnoxious. Um, and in this situation, like, Lainey isn't obnoxious. She's just fucking miserable. And it's one of those things where it's like, hey, we're going to just teach you how to come out of that shell a little bit. And I think that's a better message than like, everything about you is terrible. You know, change your hobbies, change everything about you. It's like, no, you can still be an artist. You can still be who you are. Let's just teach you how to like, process some of that trauma that you're avoiding. So is this kind of the difference between these subject matters, this source material, and dare I say, um, Taming of the Shrew? 
Uh, yes. Yeah, where it's like, you're just, you're, you're unpolished, not you're awful. Yes. And it's like unlikable. Yeah, because that's the thing that bothers me the most about 10 Things I Hate About You is that everything that Kat is interested in is presented as being bad. And it's mm-hmm. presented as being like, that's what makes her unworthy of attraction or love or affection is because she's this shrill, terrible feminist. And mm-hmm. like, that doesn't sit right with me. Whereas in She's All That, it's like Lainey is this artist. And yeah, that might be, I guess, atypical uh, compared to the standard girl next door prom queen cheerleader type. Yeah. But they they don't try to change that about her. And th- I really appreciate that that's what's happening in this movie. And it makes me cheer for their romance. It makes me cheer for Zach wanting to be with her when he slowly starts falling in love with her. Mm-hmm. Because I know that he's not trying to make her something she's not. He's just bringing out, like, what's always been there. Through nefarious means, obviously. Because yes, it's I, a shitty bed. I, I guess we'll get to the resolution yeah, of that in a little bit. But, <laughs> no, there's actually two aspects, I think, about her being an artist that I think are interesting. One... If she's miserable, that's always the stereotype of what you need to do to be an artist, is you need to suffer. You need to... Suffer for your art, Be a miserable, unpleasant person, because if you're not, then how can you be inspired? Mm -hmm. Because people don't like happy art. People Mm -hmm. don't like artists who are successful in whatever. if, If you're not actually, like, plagued and emotionally burdened by what you're doing as a creative, then what's the point? Right. And the other aspect is that her being an artist, like, seems cliched, but it's also not super common for a a lead. Certainly not for, like, a romantic mm-hmm. lead. I mean, you'll get things where it's like, oh, yes, I, I want to open a bakery. I'm a cake artist. But mm-hmm. you don't have, like, no, I, I get messy and splatter paint and do weird stuff kind of artists as a lead very often. Mm-hmm. So she's very unique in that sense. Yeah. I, and the fact that her art isn't, like, portraiture mm-hmm. or landscapes or something that's very accessible to, I guess, the, the society in mass... Mm-hmm. She's, like, an experimental artist, and she does mixed media, and everything is really, like, adventurous, and mm-hmm. I, I like that that's the, the choice that they've gone with her. I think that, that it's a very smart one, and I like her art. I think it's fucking cool. I agree. I, um, obviously in the before times when I wasn't dating you and my life was way worse, I, uh, was seeing a girl for a couple dates, and there was a moment where we were out to dinner... And she did what was described as kinetic art, where it was like art that like would move or if you shifted the light, it would be different. I'm like, oh, I like that in theory. But she and I would be at a table and she would go, hold on, hold on, stop this conversation. The light's hitting my glass of water really interestingly and I have to draw the shape that is appearing on the table. And I'm like, okay, um... I think you're trying a little hard right now. (laughs) I don't know if you're trying to impress me or if you think this is what you're supposed to do, but like maybe dial it back about 20 notches there because that is just super blah. Yeah. Like there's nothing about that that is appealing for a conversation. I'm I'm not supposed to sit there and be like, oh, those are some interesting circles you just drew. And also then like that puts like a weird undue burden on you where you have to like sit and be patient and let them work. It makes me think about there's like the running gag in a lot of films where somebody's a writer and they constantly like stop and they'll be like, chapter one, such and such happens. And like you're supposed to 
make fun You're of that person think that's douchey. because it's kind of douchey yeah. or I've definitely known a lot of screenwriters since you know I work in film where they will absolutely in the middle of a sentence be like hold on hold on inspiration has struck let me type this <laughs> for a second and I'm just like are you shitting me right now uh, um, so I appreciate that Lainey also doesn't really do that she doesn't that. do that because she <laughs> kind of just wants to do her art in solace and she, Which is more my speed anyway. She also does something that I think is really clever in that she incorporates, because her dad is like really big on like, he's a pool cleaner. Yes. And that's his thing. And you pointed out that that's a very like Mac uh, McGuff Mac from a Juno thing. Heating and air conditioning. Yeah, it's, it's the heating and air conditioning, <laughs> but it's for pools. But Lainey incorporates like pool cleaning equipment that has either been broken or whatever. Yeah, she like just tubes. Yeah, and... she incorporates that into her art. And I think that that's really cool that it's, like, she's constantly bringing her family into her work. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think that that's really interesting. I, I like her as an artist. Um, so I especially like it that they don't completely try to change her. It's just like, hey, let's soften these edges a little bit. Which, you know, if she was not down for, she would absolutely have said no and told them to screw off. Speaking of... Sorry, sorry to derail you, but I was just No, that's fine. Derail away. Um... Speaking of her as an artist, though, she has art classmates. And no one is more blatantly <sighs> mean to her face than her peers, as it were. Where they're, like, painting horrifying clowns in art class. And she's doing, like, her abstract kind of stuff. And, like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But then later at that party... She enacts her revenge. So first off, yes. Clea Duvall... Yes. Lesbian icon, teen movie icon, love of my life, I adore. Okay, obviously. Okay. You're like real life love of my life. But as far as like my cinematic universe, I love Clea Duvall. But like, wow, she's so mean. Like she, right? she tells her like trigger warning for self-harm. She tells her to kill herself. It's like, like a, a cute joke of like, yeah. hey, uh, most artists aren't appreciated in their time, so maybe you should kill yourself and then people will like your art more. And it is so cruel and mean and just, there's no need for that at all. It's really excessive. But like, here's the thing, is kids are fucking mean like that. And that's exactly it. Kids are that mean. Kids yeah. are terrible. The amount of times that people respond to somebody's like, I didn't like your YouTube video. You should go jump in a ditch. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, right? That's so mean. Or just, you know, existing as any sort of marginalized identity on the internet. That's how people treat you. Right. Um. So in a weird way, it's like I watch this and as much as it makes me on, like, a moral, personal level, upset and uncomfortable, that does not make that scene inaccurate. Oh, no, it's extremely authentic, especially because she is, like, this rich girl who gets to go to whatever art school she wants after graduating. Uh -huh. And she is so entitled and superior. And, like, that's the person that I'm really glad gets to have their comeuppance. Because, like, later at the party, she's, like, puking in the toilet, and it's like, how does it feel that... I get whatever I want, and you're stuck cleaning my puke. Yeah, so then Lainey gets her uh, gets her revenge by taking her makeup, which, that's not the makeup that was in her bag. Okay. I don't know where this face paint came mm. from. But she paints her face like a clown, and I love that for Lainey, because it's like, ah, look at a... Look at the big brain on Brad there. Like, look at her trying well, to stand up for herself for once. What I really like about it as, like, revenge... Is it's poetic justice or I guess, I guess mm -hmm. irony in that like, hey, I can make clowns. 
I just choose not to. Yeah, I mean, you you're the clown. The clown. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> I like. I love that as like a callback sort of little commentary thing of just being like, oh, I could do this. I could be just like you, but I'm not. So as far as uh as continued conflict goes, mm-hmm. obviously, it comes to a head that uh. Zach's initial interest in Lainey was on a bet. Mm-hmm. And first off, this is, like, really when Paul Walker and, like, Taylor Vaughn are just the dirt <sighs> worst. Like, this is a, a, not a good situation. And Paul Walker phrases it to just be like, yeah, you're just, you were just a bet this whole time. Pfft, what an asshole. Can you believe this guy bet on you? And you're like, you're the one who made the bet, you piece of shit. Yeah, well, he's passing that So book. shitty. And then there's this running gag of... Taylor Vaughn being like, you didn't actually think this, did you? Oh, you did? That's so sweet. And it gets such a bitch move. It's and very she, she, Yeah, she does oh. that to Rachel Lee Cook, and she's just so devastated. And this is where she's all that and 10 Things I Hate About You. Because you have to compare them. They came out mm-hmm. the same year, and they're very similar in plot. But when it comes to the bet, in both situations, I'm just like, why didn't you just own up to it at any given moment? Like, with 10 Things I Hate About You, Kat would have fucking been so down to screw people out of money. Are you serious? <laughs> and then when it comes to this one, like, you've had so many opportunities to be like, hey, lady, by the way, I need to come clean with you. Here's what's up. Here's what's going on. But, like, I feel a different way. Like, the, the that whole speech that you have at the end, after the prom, after everything's happened, you could have had that two weeks ago and prevented all of this. Yeah, but one, we need conflict and we need the, the classic trope of the liar revealed. I know. But that aside, I'm sure Zach is sitting there going, I really painted myself into a corner. Room shot. And he doesn't really know exactly how to get out of it. So he's like, maybe she'll just never find out, I guess. Because our entire relationship, as far as like us knowing each other, is fabricated on a lie. And, and it's obviously grown much more than that. But that that's the base. That's the foundation that we're built off of. And we also know that Zach's, I guess, like, toxic trait, so to speak, is that he can't make decisions Mm -hmm. because he's been sitting on, like, all of his Ivy League acceptance letters and he's like, I don't know what to do. My dad wants me to go to Dartmouth, but I don't know how to make decisions. So I guess maybe then that would lead into him not knowing how to handle the situation of, like, coming clean with her because he doesn't like conflict and he doesn't... Maybe. But also, speaking of that scene, there's this whole thing about... Oh, we're going. We uh, my my father is an alum. He expects me to go to the college he went to, and this is the way it's always going to be. But like, maybe I don't want to go to that one. Maybe I want to go to Yale or Harvard or any of these other places he got accepted into. Mm-hmm. And then he, his dad finds out about it because his dad just thinks he's not heard back. But it turns out he's just been stashing all of the acceptance letters in his room. Mm-hmm. So his dad finds out. And there's not this big blow up of like, I don't want to be like you, Dad. I don't want to live your life. His dad's just kind of like. No, just do what you want. And then it ends. Like, it just really, like, it's just like, wow, that, that was, I expected that to go somewhere. And then it didn't. And then just kind of just, just ended. Yeah. He brings up, he's like, you know, you can't fix your mistakes through me, dad. And his dad's like, just, just make a choice. Like, it's very, it's very anticlimactic. But at the same time, I think it's, it plays into this idea that a lot of us have as teenagers where we're so scared to either like talk to our parents about something or tell them something because we don't want to give our parents the benefit of the doubt at all. Like, I think a lot of times we assume the absolute worst of a situation, especially when we're teenagers. Especially with my parents. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'm just assuming the worst. I don't know. <laughs> so I think that's what we're what we're seeing here. But ultimately, obviously, because it is a romantic comedy, things things do get better mm-hmm. and they do talk and they do, you know, hash things out and they do really care about it's each like other. Like relationships, you need to communicate. That's really what it comes down to. It's just communication. It's all about being open and honest and not playing bullshit games. Are you saying that teens should communicate better when teens clearly don't know how to communicate well? Yeah, I think that's okay, uh, cool. I think that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, but what do you, how do you feel about, like, this love story as a whole? Like, what is your big takeaway from She's All That as not just a teen movie, but also as, like, a teen romance movie? I think that's really interesting because we don't do a lot of romance movies necessarily on the podcast. We just have a lot of stories that have romance plots. Yes. But it's not, like, the central part of the film. Mm Mm-hmm. So... I, I guess comparing it to, like, other teen romances that we see, mm-hmm. I I want to not like this one. I was pretty set <laughs> from the, like, opening maybe 15 minutes of being like, oh, it's another one of these. I'm not in, I, I'm strapping in for a bad time. Uh-huh. And then I was really surprised. Yeah. I, 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 I really appreciate that. It does a lot of these generic things, which, based on reviews that I read for the film at the time, people were like, oh, it does all of the most obvious, like, teen movie romance tropes. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't. I think people misremember this movie, similarly to the way that I think people misremember Scream. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely and wholeheartedly believe it's because of the parody aspect of it. Where, when talking about... Parody. Yeah, parody. When talking about, like, Scream, a lot of people always forget how mean that movie is. Oh, yeah. Because they're thinking about Scary Movie. And I think with She's All That, people are thinking of 10 Things I Hate About You or they're thinking of Not Another Teen Movie mm-hmm. and forgetting that She's All That has all of these tropes, but they subvert them all, like, just a little bit. Like, everything is, like, a little dialed off mm-hmm. so that it doesn't feel archetypal, doesn't feel stocky at any point, like... All of these characters that you think, like, okay, we have popular guy in school, and everything that you think you know about that character is not who he is. No, it's actually Paul Walker. Yeah, Paul Walker's that <laughs> asshole. Like, he's the jerk. Um, and then you have, like, Lenny Boggs, and it's like, oh, least popular girl in school. And it's like, but that's also not who she is. Mm-hmm. She's just weird. Like, and, she like, just prefers to be off and doing her own thing. Yeah, she's not the least popular girl in school. She's just, like, she's just invisible. You know, I made that bet before I knew you, Lenny. Before I really knew me. What was it for anyway? I mean, what did you end up losing? My best friend. She taught me a lot. Before her. I thought we had to have all the answers right now. And now? I'm kind of liking the fact that I don't. So ultimately, She's All That has always been considered, I I guess, the blueprint for a lot of teen movies, Mm -hmm. but doesn't actually do what a lot of teen movies did moving forward. The easiest way I can compare this, honestly, is the amount of times people say, like, Laurie Strode is, like, the the titular final girl. Like, that's who she is. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and you watch Halloween, and all of the things that, like, your brain is telling you about final girls 
Bloistro doesn't do all of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's just the, that, that weird misremembering of this was so impactful and so important that we assume that this is what it is and, and it's not. And I, I find that fascinating. I agree because there's, there's certainly a lot of things that I think this movie could have done just a little bit better. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. There's definitely room for improvement. But at the same time, I was sitting here going like, oh, well, I mean, is anybody... Unless you have nostalgia for this movie, is there any reason to go back and watch it? Is mm-hmm. there is there anything here for people who are not, you know, our age or, you know, give or take five, ten years? Mm-hmm. Is, is this a teen movie that can actually, like, hold up? And as a romance film, I think it does because it's obviously can be heavily scrutinized for the bet aspect for the liar revealed aspect for the way too long rockefeller skank aspect or just long enough Mm. a full song choreographed dance number and also like because usher has a cameo in this but he's like the guy who does the announcements and he's the dj and he's not dancing so every time you see usher he's behind a microphone at some point yeah so like there's there's some things that you go, well, maybe that was not a, the best choice because it's it's really ugly in retrospect. Mm-hmm. But I think that the performances and the dialogue and just these little tweaks to it make it so much better than, the, than people would give it credit for. I agree. And I'm curious about this because I don't know if you know about this. Hmm. Did you know that they're remaking this movie? The answer is no, I didn't. So, not only are they remaking it, they're also apparently, like, gender flipping it. Wasn't there a bunch of controversy around? Yes. Okay, no, I do know this. There was a lot of controversy. So, one, it's it's starring, like, a TikTok star. I don't know her name. Um, But it's starring some girl who's big on TikTok. And it did cause some controversy because Mm. they were trying to shoot... In, I think, like, a train station um, in Los Angeles that was being used as, like, a testing site for COVID. Mm-hmm. So they were going to, like, interrupt, like, COVID testing to shoot, a mo- like, a scene for the She's All That remake. Yeah. And people were, like, absolutely not. Yeah, and not really crazy about that. Because that's that was, I think, the first time I heard about this remake. Yeah. So, you know, already off to a weird start. I have... I have mixed feelings about the remake because I felt very similarly when they're like, we're remaking Boy Meets World into Girl Meets World. And I was like, why would you do that? And mm. then I watched the show and I was like, oh, no, I actually really like how they've done this. It feels it feels like a similar show in that same universe, but it doesn't feel like a remake. Okay. And I'm hoping that's what they're doing with this, personally. I mean, we'll see. But, yeah, we'll see. I think that in the years since She's All That, a lot of these types of movies have gotten more and more shallow and mm-hmm. haven't been allowing nuance with a lot of these characters. So I have like a weird feeling in like the pit of my stomach that this guy might be like, oh, hey, uh, I'm trying to be prom king. It's like, going to be like some yeah. she's out of my league kind of thing. Is that what you think? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Well, even she's out of my league. I think there's nuance there because Jay Baruchel's very Okay, what about girl. like, what is it, the hottie and the naughty? Probably something like that. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, I think I'm worried. But then again, like, it could prove me wrong. And maybe it's wonderful. And maybe it's going to do something like To All the Boys I Loved Before, which I know you have not seen. Nope. We'll get to it one of these days. Cool. Where it is a teen romance movie that does a lot right. And, you know, maybe maybe there's that. But I will fully admit if I'm wrong. But I don't know. I've got that, like, I've got that rumbly feel in my tum of, like, oh, no, this is danger. There's danger mm-hmm. approaching. And yeah. 
But even if it does, you know, suck on ice, and if that's if that's possible, then that doesn't take anything away from this movie. I'm still going to love Rachel Lee Cook. I'm still going to scream, sing, kiss me at the top of my lungs anytime it plays because you just you just have to. It's truly one of like the most perfect like pop songs in the nineties. Oh 90s. my god, it is the best needle drop too, and it's become synonymous with that scene. Like yeah. if you hear that, even if you've not even seen the movie, I think did your brain go to that scene yeah. every time you hear? It? Yeah, absolutely. It's just. I'm like, ah, this is where you come down the stairs in a nice formal dress. Yes. And what's funny is it's not even a formal dress. It's like a cute little slinky red number. And I think so many people associate that scene with like, oh, the prom reveal. And it's not prom. It's not prom. It's like the (laughs) middle of the movie. Yes. Any other movie, that's like the prom reveal. In this movie, it's like, no, we're just going to a party. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so very much. Again, taking these conventions you think exist and just throwing it up a yeah, and speaking of prom, can we can we just talk for just one second about how um, Ten Things I Hate About You has horrible prom costuming and hair and stuff like that versus this movie where it's like, no, that actually holds up. Yeah, everything looks great in this one. Yeah, like Cat's like, uh, for Sisters prom dress is awful. Cat's hair is that crispy curly mess. <laughs> when you gelled and then brushed ah. it. Oh, and the crunchy curls. No, it's so bad. But then this movie, it's like, no, this, this is kind of legit. This is crisp. This this is a good look that still holds up. So I, I have to admit, mm. so we talked about how Rachel E. Cook uh, was my fashion inspiration for yes. hair for all of my life. Yes. And I have to admit mm-hmm. that the very last pageant I ever competed in, I had hair probably around, like, chin length. Yes. So there's not a lot to do with it in terms of, like, a formal updo. So I brought the picture of Rachel Lee Cook at prom from She's All That to the hairstylist. You so showed me. my last pageant, I competed with that same prom hairstyle because I love her so much and i just i wanted to icon. be her she's an icon she's a fashion icon mm-hmm. so uh she's she's a round face hairstyle fashion icon yeah so so that's you. a that's my confession that even I, into my 20s Rachel Lee cook's uh <laughs> hair prowess was infiltrating my you, life you have that picture we're gonna have to remember to post it so everyone can yeah we'll end it. up posting it on our social media that's so pretty oh thank you yeah. i tried really hard <laughs> Um, so yeah, Rachel Lee Cook is fashion icon, and uh, everything about her is perfect in this movie. I, I love her so much, and I love this movie, and I love their love. Yeah, me too. I do. I think that it's a really cute rom- like teen romance. I think a lot of like teen couples I kind of want to like kick in the face, because I'm like, shut up, get out of here. Teen romance is really frustrating to watch as an adult, because mm-hmm. it's like... No, you're doing really dumb stuff. It's like when we watch Romeo plus Juliet, and it's like, wow, you kids are fucking dramatic. I know, but like, then it's also like, down. Well, I mean, it's Shakespeare, but it's, I know. still. It's Shakespeare, it's it's classic romance. <laughs> Fine. But not even that is an example. Like, just any teen romance where you're just frustrated by the teens because they're doing really dumb stuff, or they're just kind of put together, mm-hmm. where, um, I'm gonna make the comparison again, where... What what do they have in common in 10 Things I Hate About You? They both make people nervous in class. Cool. <laughs> so what this movie does, and I like it for, like, say, their first two dates. Mm-hmm. The first date, just quote-unquote date, it's not really a date, is Zach coming into um, fucking 
God, what's Rachel Lee Cook's character's name? Lainey Boggs. There we go. I was like, Cat <laughs> Stratford. I'm like, no, different movie. Lainey. So it's Zach being introduced to Lainey's world. Mm-hmm. The second one is at the beach, and it's like, okay, his friends just crashed this, and now it's sink or swim, can you socialize? Mm-hmm. And that is her coming into his world. I like that there's this flip-flop of them kind of becoming more aware of the other one's what they do, who they are, what they sort of value as um, as people. Mm-hmm. There's definitely these moments where, like, she has an expectation of being like, I'm not going to tutor you. You think I'm smart. And it's like, hey, I have better grades than you. Stop it. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of this, like, really, like, you don't really know me. Here's me showing you who I am thing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to 10 Things I Hate About You, where it's like, hey, um, he later sings a really romantic song that will not in any way be reflective of how he is the rest of the movie because he's <laughs> yeah. way more charming in that one scene than the rest of the film and then they're gonna go like hit each other with paint which do either of them have an interest in that no it's just a kind of random date mm-hmm. that doesn't really tie into their characters or what they have in common and then at the end like oh hey here's a guitar yeah like they have there's no chemistry there that doesn't make sense these two i believe their chemistry and the, i think and again Going back to the the theming of the makeover, in both of these situations, like, this isn't Grease, where he's <laughs> showing up at the end of the prom, and suddenly he's wearing, like, paint-covered overalls, and he's like, I'm just here to impress her. Mm-hmm. And she's also not showing up, like, oh, hey, look, now I'm Taylor Vaughn 2.0. Yeah. Like, they're both still very much who they are mm-hmm. as people, and... I don't know. That makes it makes me root for them a little bit more because they're staying true to who they are and realizing that they're compatible despite their differences. And I think that that's really beautiful. I think we as people tend to be really limiting mm-hmm. on who we are interested in. Like we set these really strange, arbitrary. I'm only going to date cancers. Don't get me started on astrology. <laughs> I will lose my mind. Yeah. But yeah, we set these like weird, arbitrary limits on like the people that we're interested in, whether it's appearances like i only date blondes or something stupid like that or something worse and like racist like that's also a thing um but when it comes to the i guess social hierarchy of school this is the situation where it's like hey maybe the jock doesn't have to date the cheerleader like maybe Mm -hmm. you can date other people and i like that they explore that and they show like get to know people a little bit more and this is something that i think we'll see continue forward in teen movie canon because i think about like the end of mean girls where it's like people from all different cliques are are together and you know existing in harmony mm-hmm. so to speak and i think that's kind of the they're laying the groundwork in she's all that for that sort of idea to be ex, expound upon in later films yes so <laughs> i was like how do i start this sentence yes and I think showing what this movie does correctly... Now, which, I, if you were to just explain what this movie is, everyone's going to go, ugh, I don't like that. Kind right. of like how I thought I knew where we were going at the start of this movie. Mm-hmm. To show how good this movie does what it's doing, let's talk about a makeover. Mm-hmm. Jock gets Artsy Girl, and everyone hates it. The Breakfast Club. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. yes. That's very Absolutely good. Absolutely everyone who revisits The Breakfast Club goes... No, that makeover shouldn't have happened. That's totally, like, compromising who she is. Mm-hmm. Because it's a complete change of character for Ali Sheedy. Can I just say, as somebody who entered this journey with me to examine teen cinema, mm-hmm. 
the fact that you just made that comparison on your own without any prodding from me, I am so proud of you right now because my brain didn't go there at all in this. And the second you started talking, it was like, oh, of course, how could I have missed this? Mm-hmm. I just, I love you. I think you're great. I Thank think you. You're wonderful. I'm okay at film analysis sometimes. You, I'm so proud of you right now. Like, this is like a very All art is derivative movie. of other things. Let's compare this movie to all of these other <laughs> well, films to prove my we, points. We talked about Andrew in The Breakfast Club earlier. And we talked about, like, yeah. the, the hacky sack thing. And it's like, yeah, that's a perfect one-to-one. But yeah, I didn't even think about the makeover. And you're totally right. Like, we hate that makeover because they do. They change everything about Ali Sheedy's character. They make her preppy. They take the black makeup away. Mm -hmm. And she loses that sense of who she is. Whereas she's all that's like, no, we're keeping you who you are. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of, like, cleaning you up a little bit so you're not just covered in paint all the time. Yes. And honestly, they help each other because it's not just, oh, hey, we're, we're kind of introducing each other to each other's worlds and passions no what we're straight up seeing is how they are their influences Mm -hmm. where um laney's art teacher comes up at the prom of all places i guess because it's like the last time yeah there's like teachers that are chaperoning it it makes sense it's weird and it feels very like like, but it's fine hey that art that you did uh it's the best thing you've ever done i've been trying to get this kind of passion and commitment out of you for four years whatever has like inspired you or put you in this headspace that you're producing like this perfect art like this just keep doing that Mm -hmm. because it's not oh hey he's her muse right it's a matter of she's probably not miserable anymore Mm -hmm. she's opened up and is now exploring things because the whole the subject of that piece is her mom yeah so it's a mixed thing of like a portrait of her mom along with her art that she's been doing the whole film yeah she's finally dealing with what that feels like for her, like losing her mother, what that feels like. Yes, the whole point of this movie is she opens up mm-hmm. because she has been closed off the entire time. And that's really, really good for her. And he ends up benefiting because he's not just like, oh, I'm just the jock who's got to go do my dad's yeah, thing. Yeah, he's and not doing what's expected of him. Exactly. And he's like, maybe I'll go to art school. Maybe I'll do performance art. Who knows? I feel just like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. You know, except for that whole hooker thing. So, what now? I don't know. Art school? You? I've been kind of thinking about art school myself. Art? Yeah. You don't take art? Yeah, but I'm thinking more along the lines of performance art. Be silent. Be still. Be silent. Zach. What? For Zach, he's benefiting because he's not doing things that were sort of expected of him or that he expected people to expect of him. Yes, yes, Because that whole interaction with his dad that falls really flat because you expect the dad to just be like, no, Zach, Mm -hmm. you gotta go to my college. It's not like that. Mm -hmm. And Zach has been operating assuming that his dad wants him to do something Mm -hmm. when he's not. Yeah. So now that this, now, now the world is all open. So he says mm-hmm. things like, oh, maybe I'll go to art school. I'll go do performance art or something like that because I'm, I'm not too bad at it. And, you know, for a first time, his hacky sack routine was pretty good. <laughs> I was fully expecting them to just like bust out some snaps. But they clapped, which they, is really strange. Which I'm like, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting them to, to clap either. But no, I, I agree with you. And I think that that's what makes this romance so good, in my opinion, because... 
they it's mutually beneficial for them mm -hmm. in ways that are that are new and exciting and i think that that's what love is supposed to feel like it should feel new it should feel exciting it should be that moment where you're like oh this is how it's supposed to be because i think we get in our heads that this aha moment yeah we get in our heads this idea of like well i guess this is what love is like or i guess this is how it's supposed to feel mm -hmm. and then when it actually happens it's 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 really a whole new world yeah, and I think that they just complement each other. I think so too. Like that's how it. That that's the best thing about this. Yeah. So. So yeah. on. So on that note, Harmony, in our typical podcast fashion, she's all that is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back? Paul Walker asked me already. Paul Walker can get the. Fuck out of here in this movie. That's bullshit. It's bullshit that someone asked me to prom. <laughs> no, the answer is is yes. Okay, I, cool. I was I pleasantly that. surprised by this film, especially because I hate 10 things I hate about that. That is the entire inspiration for our podcast. Yes, was, was because of how much you, you hated showing it. me that movie and me going, I hate this movie. Here's why. And you went, oh, great. I have to reanalyze my entire perspective <laughs> of this film and life. So this feels like a very nice poetic uh, flip side to that coin where it's like, oh, it's the same basic story, but done well. And I have so many or so fewer issues mm -hmm. with it. And, uh, you know, I would revisit this one. I, I don't know how often, but I think that this there's a lot of really good, positive, thoughtful things about this film. I'm, I'm emotionally invested and I think that that's the best thing for a movie that is a romance. Yeah, I think it's definitely a feel-good movie um, for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that I give you some nice feels, too, because that's always my favorite part of doing the show, is when I show you something that you've not seen and you really res it really resonates with you. Mm -hmm. um, that always feels good, because I fully admit, I watch a lot of trash, and I watch a lot of movies, and I'm like, I know that I love this movie, but... No one See, else does. The thing is, I can't judge you for that because most of my favorite films are trash. That's why we get along. Cause we... Like, I love dumb monster movies and crappy kung fu films that are like, <laughs> the war the dumber the better. <laughs> like, the absolute worst version. Like, I love it. Yeah. Like, I have never laughed as hard in probably the last year as when I was watching Love on Delivery. Like you were losing your mind about that movie. It's so wild. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's also one of the dumbest films I've ever seen, but it's incredible. So I can't judge you for like, oh yeah, I like watching like exploitive lifetime movies. Yeah, we watch different <laughs> brands of dumb and yeah. they're both like there's validity in both of those genres. And we complement each other despite we our genres do. being so different. We do. Oh, I love that. That was very sweet. <laughs> So, so I guess that takes us out on uh, on She's All That. I want to, again, thank everyone from the Real Love Film Festival. Thank you so much for having us. Thank um, you. <laughs> this, this was a blast. I'm so glad we could bring our little show to you. Um, if you like what we do, feel free to support us on Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. Uh, Harmony comes up with playlists. We do sleepover party commentary tracks where we just watch a movie that's not quite a teen girl movie, but probably something we would watch uh, at a sleepover and mm -hmm. we just talk about it. We also have our Sadie Hawkins dance mini soaps. 
where Harmony shows me teen boy movies, and I have a sometimes good time, sometimes very bad time. I, I I've been I've been not showing you nearly enough trash. I know we've which, been. Pretty uh, granted, good I don't like the trash either, <laughs> but it's really really important for the teen boy experience yeah. for you to just really sink your teeth into the absolute misogynistic garbage that is a lot of teen boy movies. So uh, yeah. maybe in February, maybe this month, I'll just give you some absolute bullshit. Yeah, I'm probably going to have a really good time. It'd be great. <laughs> so you can support us on Patreon that way, or you can follow us on the social handles. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram, at this ends at prom. If you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, it's just my name, at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where can people find you? I mean, if you want to find me, <laughs> I'm, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And we also want to give a huge shout out to the Sonderbombs for letting us use their track title for our theme music. They're awesome. They have new music. Support them uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Stream by Clothbound. Yes. It, it just was released. It's getting really good early reviews based on uh, the stuff that we're seeing at the time of recording. So yeah. like... A lot of cool stuff, but mm -hmm. uh, on that note, friends. Is this where you kiss me? I mean, I can. We will see you next time, and uh, don't forget to save the last dance for us. And yes, I will kiss you. No one kiss you, actually kiss. Thank you. It's cute. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>